Hello, Marcus Brigstock here. For rights reasons, we are not able to include all of the music featured in the original Cabinet of Jazz radio series. I would urge you, beg you, plead with you to head in the direction of whatever streaming service you have or vinyl records you have or whatever you've got and go and listen to this incredible music. The Cabinet of Jazz with Marcus Brigstock on Jazz FM. Listening colour. Welcome to the Cabinet of Jazz recorded live at Peter Express Soho for Jazz FM. Based on Dizzy Gillespie's run for president in 1964, this evening I will inaugurate a new president of the United States of Jazz. Now, that president will have just one hour to decide on a cabinet made up of musicians to help them run the world. Louis Armstrong, Clifford Brown, Miles Davis, Lee Morgan, Freddie Hubbard, Fats Navarro, Roy Eldridge. Which of the great trumpeters should be put in charge of the State Department? Sure, I mean, you could just put your favourite player in there, but how would you feel if you plumped for Donald Byrd and then he started a war with the Netherlands? Or Chet Baker offended the ambassador to Uzbekistan so badly that Uzbekistan stopped exporting all the things we get from Uzbekistan. <laughs> of course, Kenny Dorham seems like an easygoing fella, but power corrupts. I mean, maybe finding Kenny drunkenly bellowing Una Mas again and again in the Trevi Fountain after a failed diplomatic talk with the Italians, you would start to doubt yourself. My point is, it's a big responsibility. When Dizzy ran for president in 64, he wanted Louis Armstrong to be his Secretary of State for Agriculture, growing what we can only imagine, <laughs> just one crop. Uh, he wanted the Thelonious Monk to be his traveling ambassador, which I assume just meant he thought monks should tour more often. And he wanted Ray Charles to run the Congressional Library, which I think, I think, I know, I felt as uncomfortable as you did laughing at that, but I, I think Dizzy meant it as a joke and I'd like to think Ray Charles would find it funny. When they asked Dizzy why he was running for president, he said, because we need one and we need one tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, your next president of the United States of Jazz, Julian Joseph. <laughs> Welcome, Mr. President. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Marcus. Uh, my absolute pleasure. Thank it's you for pleasure. being here. Have you, so have you been keeping over the last year or so? This has been such a strange time for, for performers and musicians. Mm -hmm. I think all musicians keep themselves busy anyway. And I think we were quite smug as a, as a, a unit because we're so used to preparing on our own, being at home, being solitary. But it went on a little long, right? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the less smugness now, but, uh, you know, I've had things to keep me busy. So the fact that I'm a composer means that you have more time to compose. But mm -hmm. it's funny, the, the energy goes out when you're not connecting with people. At first, you're full of inspiration, and then mm. the energy just kind of disappears, and that does affect the creativity. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so when, you, when you're writing, when you're mm. creating something like from scratch, yeah. 
Do you like that feeling, like the blank page in front of you and just setting out on a brand new adventure, or are you daunted by it? How does it work? I'm not daunted by it because I've been composing since I was 10, and I haven't stopped. So I've written hundreds, maybe thousands of pieces of music. Um, And you know when you create anything, you create a lot of rubbish, and then some good gems come along. So Uh, Not me, man. All my stuff is gold. Straight away. Excuse me. No, 100%, 100% the same. So much is rubbish and gets yeah. gets cast yeah. away. But even like in, in the cast off, sometimes the thing you throw away, I come back to ideas that I've had sometimes years before it's and go, true. actually, now's the time. That's interesting. It's you true. They're, I mean, ideas are never rubbish and you should never throw anything away. Um, because there's always a chance that it will spark something else. I, ideas are golden. Yeah. So you started composing at the age of 10. Yeah, I mean, 9, yeah. 10. And are you, so given the how long you've been doing it, are you still able just to sit and play for your own pleasure? Oh, yeah, absolutely, all the time. I mean, that's part of the way of generating ideas and the way of sort of generating an inner peace in a way. Yeah. You sit at the piano and people say, you know, I practice for 10 hours a day. But um, just sitting down and actually just playing and musing and, and a, a term that Duke Ellington used to call rhapsodizing um, is, is all part of it. So it also generates ideas for compositions. It generates ideas for all sorts of things. But most of all, it just brings a sense of calm, a sense of meditative peace and yeah. tranquility. When you're creating something new, do you keep other noise out or do you listen to a lot of stuff oh no i listen all the time i'm constantly listening i'm a huge fan of jazz but i'm a Mm. huge fan of other musics too so i could listen to uh prokofiev symphony for you know two months or for two years Mm -hmm. or i could listen to one particular album by herbie hancock and i could listen to that for five years yeah it just, yeah it just depends you listen and you listen regularly and you just get into the sound and then mm. you build your knowledge out of that because our knowledge in jazz is all about connectivity you hear one artist who did they play with that person who did they play with that person where does that go it leads you back in time it leads you sideways in time it leads you forwards in time i wanted to ask you just quickly about uh touring with bobby mcferrin Mm -hmm. because of uh like not enough people know what an incredible musician bobby mcferrin is Mm -hmm. partly because he had such amazing success with don't worry be happy which Mm -hmm. is also an underrated track it gets written off as a novelty Mm -hmm. but it's beautiful how was that touring with it someone creative in that way okay so i was on tour when i was at college um at at berkeley and um i used to go on the road with branford marsalis and then sometimes the shows we'd do would be double headers with really great people. Mm-hmm. The first gig I ever did was on the same bill as Miles Davis. So um, the first gig I did in America, period. Bradford has called me to play a gig with him at the Jacksonville Jazz Festival. You can actually see it on video. I sound terrible. <laughs> and, um, and so I'm really nervous. I fly down to Jacksonville sends a limousine to pick me up. I'm not used to this. I'm not even used to flying. So um, I get to the festival. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't speak. And, we, and Bradford says, do you talk, man? I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, it comes to the gig. And, and he's like, what tunes do you know? And I call a tune. I'm like, oh, I don't 
Stella by Star, Corny, no, we're not doing that. Uh, call another one, no, we're not doing that. So every tune that I know, and I didn't know a lot of tunes, he's like, that's terrible. Well, we'll think about something when we're on stage. I'm like, oh no, I'm really gonna crumble. So we're on, we, we, he gives me this new tune by Herbie Hancock called Number 73. Nobody's heard of that tune, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm on my way onto the stage and then <laughs> we pass Miles Davis. And Miles Davis, he's still, Bramford's chatting to Miles and everything. And he's like, yeah, I got this new piano plays from England. Oh yeah, man, yeah. You know, and he's like looking at me, asking me questions and I'm like, <laughs> don't know what to say. So I'm nervous, I do the gig. I sound terrible, but he's like, look, man, what do you think? You want to play in the band? I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> All of a sudden, I have a voice. <laughs> um, so we were, t- we were touring around this time. I'm 19 years old, and Bobby McFerrin is doing some of the gigs with us. And the thing I, that really struck me about Bobby was that his tuning is so perfect. I'd never experienced anything like it. Mm-hmm. And just his creativity, the clarity of his notes, clarity of his ideas, it was really sensational. So, uh, you know, I feel very privileged that I had an opportunity through Bradford, who I was privileged enough to be playing with anyway, to experience uh, somebody like Bobby McFerrin, because he's, he's a true phenomenon of the music. Yeah, yeah. Now, Julian, you will have to nominate four musicians from the world of jazz, soul and blues to take up positions in your cabinet of jazz, three for offices of state and one wild card left to your discretion. But before you do that, mm-hmm. we have to swear you in. Now, under normal circumstances, the president swears in on a copy of the Bible, uh, but I was caught trying to smuggle it out of the hotel room and um, three actual Gideons caught me and made me put it back. (laughs) I didn't think they were real people, but there they were. Uh, So you have to use something else. And of course, at the heart of jazz is the spirit of improvisation. I've asked you to come up with your own holy artifact. Uh, What what have you chosen? Well, I chose um, four records because I'm greedy and also because somebody said to me it's like swearing on the bible okay because usually you swear on the holy book of whatever your religion is so i just thought well i'd create my own bible with just four books and so i chose louis armstrong's hot fives and hot sevens i chose duke ellington's black brown and beige i chose miles davis's kind of blue and john coltrane's a love supreme so you have a little bit of old and new testament (laughs) all right yeah Nice. Well, you know, I wish that the people listening at home were able to be here uh, with us. I knew that you'd selected these and I've been able to get on loan, unfortunately. And these are very special. So please, everyone, uh, be respectful. I've got actually the original first pressings of those of those records. Louis Armstrong's Hot Fives and Sevens here. Wow. Duke Ellington's Black, Brown and Beige. Mm. And Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. And John Coltrane's A Love Supreme, the original first pressing. So I'm just going to gently put those down on the table in front of you. Someone gasped there. I'm not surprised. These are, who knows what these are even worth. We're very, very lucky to have them. <laughs> Let's hope nothing slips and breaks, Oh man, you know. if you could. Uh, acetates, pre- my goodness. That's right. <laughs> what a privilege. Uh, if you could gently please place your hand on top of the uh, five, seven black, brown, beige and blue and, and a love supreme and read the, uh, the oath that we've prepared. Certainly, okay. 
I do solemnly swear on the hot fives and sevens and black, brown and beige and kind of blue and a love supreme that I will diligently attend to the duties of the office I hold. I will act with clarity and decisiveness, just like in my choosing of these four albums, um, because I'm really greedy. Um, <laughs> it's so meaningful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will uphold the spirit of jazz, the passion and the practice of the art, the courage of the innovators and the freedom and restraint of the great improvisers paired with the craft of the great composers. This I will do while also continuing to play piano like a stone-cold legend. (laughs) So help me, Diz and Bird. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Your president, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Julian Joseph. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Nicely done. Nicely done. And I've, God I've got, bless these United States of Jazz. That forever, right? <laughs> so uh, let's ask you this, because you've been a musician since you were a child and a professional musician all of your adult life. You taught many others. Do you think the world would be a better place if it was run by jazz musicians? Most definitely. And I'll tell you oh, why. I'm so pleased to hear you say this. No one's ever said this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because... First of all, to be a jazz musician, you have to prepare for every eventuality. Mm -hmm. Your um, template for operation is to have something that you can perform with conviction, which leaves room and space for inspiration. And the inspiration usually comes from what you receive from the audience or what you receive from the situation or both. And a jazz musician in a political position will act with that in mind. They act in not only a decisive manner, uh, but they act for the betterment of whom they're acting for. And they also can respond to the people that have put them in that place of responsibility. What's better than a jazz musician to do that? Oh, man. You know, I wish you'd been on the first show. (laughs) I've asked everybody we've had, and every one of them's gone, nah, not really, man, not really. That was so eloquent. (laughs) Uh, Well, folks, we've met and inaugurated our president of the week, and now we need to find out who will be in Julian Joseph's cabinet. So first, uh, we want your Minister for Health. Let's hear from them, and then you can tell us why they're your top pick for the health of the nation. That was, of course, T for Two, performed there by Ella Fitzgerald with Count Basie, who, uh, like, those are incredible recordings. Absolutely. Um, The Ella and Basie album is one of my absolute favorites. My family and I, we listen to it all the time. It gets the blood pumping. It's so swinging. All the arrangements were done by Quincy Jones. He's still at the height of his powers. It's 1976, 77. It came out Mm. in 77. I think they recorded it in 76. But um, the Basie Orchestra, just given that support. So Ella Fitzgerald, Ministry for Health, she can call on anyone, right? She can get help and support from anybody. But the essence of why I chose Ella was because when you hear her voice, it's immediate healing. And... Who better than a healer to be the minister for health? She will sing and you will be healed. I love this. So you're talking about actually sending Ella Fitzgerald out as a medical practitioner (laughs) to literally sing people back to health. Not just a medical practitioner, but a medical inspirer. 
yes. because you want to sing along with her. And if you do sing, it heals you anyway. You know, and somebody who can inspire that joy in you is someone who can heal the world. And she can go into hospitals and say, all you doctors come here and learn T for two. Okay, I'm going to bring the bassy band and you're all going to sing along. What's better than that? I, I mean, listen, man, I, I'm sold. I'm 100% sold. So you're talking about Ella Fitzgerald and the Count Basie band touring around hospitals going, all right, listen, mm -hmm. turn off the machines. Yeah. Everybody gather in the main hall. Plug the machines into the Basie Orchestra. That's what oh, I'm saying. Oh, man. All Superpower right. Superpower those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boost them. Everybody's better. How do you feel when you when you listen to an Ella Fitzgerald record, you put on Ella and Count Basie or uh, Ella meets Louis, something like absolutely, that? Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Does it still get you every time? Oh, I just get the tingles. It just, it fires me up. It, it makes me feel amazing. The thing is that Ella is such an amazing musician, okay? She can interpret the hell out of a song. Her voice sounds fresh. Her mm. improvising is beyond ca category, as, as Duke mm. Ellington would say. Um, it's not just the, the fact that she can improvise. It's the way she improvises. So whether it's in the style of Lester Young or Louis Armstrong, whether the way she sings um, infers certain influences from other singers, whether it's completely her um, ability to transcend her influences and just... Um, transport you to another place to another plane the creativity is on such a ridiculously high level that it almost beggars belief i think that kind of inspiration for anyone is mm. you're going to listen to somebody like that plus she was a really lovely person she was she was right yeah. she seems genuinely to her, her company was enjoyed by everyone yeah you know she had special friendships going way way back louis a good example yeah, absolutely uh but she did seem to just light everybody up wherever yeah. she went yeah, she inspired everybody. Everybody felt privileged to work with her. But you could see that she felt that same privilege working with other people. People felt valued around her. Mm -hmm. She just has that wonderful quality that draws you to a person and makes you think, yeah, I, I want to listen to what that person has to say. I want to be part of what their oeuvre is. You think you'd have been nervous if you'd been asked to play for Ella? I would have been terrified. <laughs> I would have been absolutely terrified. But I know at the same time she would have put me at my ease and I would have just had a great time. Yeah, and that yeah. anything I did, she would respond to and that it would just feel great. Yeah. How do you think someone like Ella Fitzgerald would guide the uh, United States of Jazz through a global pandemic? Well, she would make sure that everybody was listening right to the good stuff yeah. and, you know, had a good... Um, a dose of uh, Louis Armstrong, Duke mm -hmm. Ellington, um, John Coltrane, and uh, say Wayne Shorter, for example, and that it would be prescribed to be taken at least uh, fifteen times a day because you have no, <laughs> you have nothing else to do. So yeah. she would prescribe it fifteen times a day with meals. With meals, most definitely <laughs> in between meals, and definitely before and during your sleeping. Uh, I didn't think you were going to say sleep in there. <laughs> I thought you were going in another direction. Well, you know. Listen, I couldn't agree that's more. That's a man. personal choice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put this to the audience. Uh, what do we think? Uh, Ella Fitzgerald is Minister for Health. Yeah. yeah. 
with the Count Basie Orchestra. All right, time now, Julian Joseph, our president for your second nomination. Let's hear a little bit of this. That was Dance Cadaverous by Wayne Shorter on the Blue Note label. Incredible stuff. So what ministerial position do you want Wayne Shorter to take up? Well, I would have him to be Minister for the Environment and Lyricism. I see. You've tagged lyricism onto the Minister for the Environment. If you're going to have jazz musicians as ministers, it's got to have a musical leaning. Expand the brief. Okay. You've got to expand the brief. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's that's an incredible record, Speak No Evil. Really is it McCoy Tyner playing on that? No, it's Herbie know. Hancock. Oh, okay. Herbie Hancock's right. on piano. And um, so it's it's uh, Wayne Shorter, Freddie Hubbard, Herbie Hancock, Ron Carter, and Elvin Jones. What a band. Oh, yeah. my God. These cats are swinging like you just cannot believe. And the music is so incredible. And I chose this particular piece, Dance Cadaverous, because... It has a very impressionistic quality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the melody works, it's very patient, it's very sparse, and it, it has just a kind of timbre and tonal quality. There's the way Wayne drops down into the lower range of the saxophone. It just creates a, an incredible surprise, but a moving one, a mu- moving, mm. lyrical, emotional one. Mm. And so the thing about Wayne Shorter and why I put him uh, to the Minister for the Environment and Lyricism is that through his lyricism, he conjures um, visual imagery for me. And I think he does for most people who listen to him. When he solos, it doesn't merely feel like a bunch of creative notes going by, but it seems to transcend um, the actual act of soloing and turn into something visual and visceral that changes the environment. It's mm. like magic. And so that's why I, I chose him as, as the environment uh, secretary. He's and in- he does it through lyricism. He really does. And what a phenomenal writer as well. Funnily enough, uh, I got Speak No Evil on vinyl right at the start of the pandemic. Mm. I put it on and I'd heard it a bit, but I didn't know it well. I put it on and I was just blown away by the, by the attack in it, just mm. the, the, the pace of it. Mm. And uh, then realized I had it on the wrong speed. And <laughs> ge- genuinely, someone had been at my record player without me knowing. And I was like, I, I can't even believe how fast they're playing here. They're just, and these are short sides too, man. This whole record's done in around 18 minutes but i uh, bet it made sense though i bet it made you know sense what? even though it was fast it made sense i felt i genuinely felt embarrassed because i'd said to rachel my wife i was like listen to this like this just <laughs> firing through this this is really great and then i was really embarrassed i was like oh man i know nothing about music but it did work it did sound great i gotta tell you it sounds better on 33 <laughs> yeah yeah but no. what he was an incredible writer i mean they said i think it was herbie hancock who said that wayne shorter when he was in miles's quintet he would show up with a piece of music and it broadly speaking it would remain unchanged yeah miles was like yeah we're gonna let that one through absolutely miles it. would because miles had um, a vocal operation 
either in the late 40s or early mm. 50s and he was told by his doctor not to speak and then of course he <laughs> broke it and then for the rest of his life he spoke basically with a rasp and a whisper and and it only made his legend even better right didn't it, it and it really suited it, him hey man you know because yeah. yes the time i couldn't speak to him um he was whispering to me and i was like i can't believe it miles is whispering to me Maybe he walked away and went, that guy's got an even quieter whisper than me. I like that dude. I like that guy. But yeah, Wayne would turn up with, with uh, written pieces of music and, and Miles would just put it in front of him and Herbie and Ron and Tony and just say, okay, uh, mm -hmm. Teo, press the record button and then just go for We're it. We're away. Yeah, yeah just yeah. go for it. So he'd like to, to just get what the impression was from the first time they saw the music. And then, of course, you know, he might shape it and say, you do this, you do that, blah, blah, blah. And, you know. His work on, um, I think it's called, is it the, the two records are called At the Jazz Corner of the World, the Art Blakey stuff with um, Horace Silver, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Like his playing on there is breathtaking. He was really, really young mm -hmm. when he did those. Um, so his playing is my favorite thing. But my second favorite thing on there is Pee Wee Marquette's introduction to them because of the way he says, Wayne Shutter. <laughs> uh, on saxophone Wayne Shorter and I love it and so now whenever Wayne Shorter record gets put on at You're home like so I, I, I wait for Rachel to go who's that it's Wayne Shorter <laughs> so yeah Minister for the Environment yeah I mean I can see how a sense of lyricism a sense of creativity would help this minister, Wayne Shorter, to, to see the bigger picture where the environment is concerned. But also, he has this childlike quality. You must have heard the stories about Wayne. You know, when he speaks, he almost speaks in not quite riddles, but he speaks as if he's from another planet. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be very childlike, not childish, but very childlike. It, there's an innocent but all-knowing quality to the way he speaks. And um, I think children really care about the things that we used to care about mm -hmm. and certain grown people adults are still connected to that and wayne is one of those people and he keeps us connected to that he keeps us rooted to certain truths that bring joy to us all and that we can't deny and so this is an, another part of his characteristic that makes him perfect for this position I'm finding it very hard to argue with any of this. I got to be honest. I'm supposed to put up some resistance, and I feel like an absolute pushover here. <laughs> All right, fine. I'll let him through. Uh, Wayne Shorter, the Minister for the Environment and Lyricism. Yeah. Now, Julia, I've set the audience to work here at Pizza Express Soho, and they've been coming up with their own ideas for a few cabinet members. So, I'd like any thoughts you have on on any of these. Um, who from the world of soul, blues, and jazz would you nominate into the cabinet of jazz? Gwen Guthrie. All right. Okay. Why? They say Minister for Employment, because you've got to have a J-O-B if you want to work for the D of E. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people are groaning at that, but I think it's a very solid suggestion. You, you can't get away from that. Yeah, the truth exactly. truth is there. Yeah. Um, okay. Amy Winehouse. Uh, Ministry of Transport because <laughs> it would be no different from how it is now she's very good at causing chaos all right yeah i mean i it's reasonable yeah that's I'm absolutely on, sound I'm on board yes. with that do you know what uh amy winehouse's favorite um tube station was 
Anyone? Hi, Barnet. Uh, hey, come on, good. a proper very joke, good. people. Very good, yes. A proper joke. Yes. <laughs> She's wagging her finger from her mouth. <laughs> yes, <high>. she is. <laughs> uh, so, uh, who from the world of soul, blues, and jazz would you nominate into the cabinet of jazz? Sun Ra. Yeah, all right. Minister for Intergalactic Foreign Affairs. Yeah, yes. I think. Yes. I think if yes. we do make contact with uh, extraterrestrials. It was close for me to choose Sun Ra for something like that. Yeah, honest. yeah. Yeah. And uh, I like this as well. This person's having a pretty good night out, whoever wrote this. Alice Coltrane, Minister for Health and Transcendental Bliss. Ooh. Yeah. All right. That's soulful as hell. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It's a good suggestion here. I think you'll like this too. Sade, mm-hmm. Secretary of State for International Relations, exuding mm-hmm. laid back vibes. She'd solve world peace. I think, she, I think she might. Great woman. Yeah, absolutely woman. stunning. And what a voice. Yeah. Uh, Anne Peebles, Secretary of State for Relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to turn this into a counseling session. Whoever wrote this, are you having some trouble? Because <laughs> <laughs> she knows heartache and how to make us all feel better. She certainly oh. does. Thank you so much, everybody, for your suggestions. Some excellent suggestions there. Now, so far, our president of the week, Julian Joseph, has suggested Ella Fitzgerald with uh, Count Basie's orchestra in charge of health and Wayne Shorter as Minister for the Environment and Lyricism. We're going to jump straight to your wild card suggestion now. Let's have a listen to this and you can tell us who it is. I don't know what's more fun, man, listening to that or watching you listening to that. <laughs> you know well, every, you know every breath in that piece of music. Like most things I listen to, I know every single note. Now, why don't you tell us what your wildcard ministerial position is? Okay, so for Jacko, um, he is the minister for the unexpected. <laughs> and that's basically because in any situation... In life, but particularly in politics, things will happen that are unexpected and you need to be able to turn it into gold. Okay. And uh, Jacko always turns everything that happens into gold. I wasn't sure when you nominated... Uh, there's a big fan of Jacko Pistorius back there. Right? He's over the moon right yeah. now. I'm pleased you're here. I wasn't sure when you nominated this wildcard position... Uh, as Minister for the Unexpected, whether that was someone to respond to the unexpected or someone who was going to just suddenly announce really weird stuff and we'd all have to respond to them. Maybe both, right? Well, you know, Jacko was unpredictable in a particular point of his life. He became unpredictable. Um, Unfortunately, he, you know, suffered from bipolar disorder and the treatment for it at that time was very, very basic and Nobody really knew how to handle it. So this clean living, non-alcohol drinking, non-drug taking person was sort of accused of being completely off his rocker by taking drugs and drinking too much and things. And that was just uh, a complete red herring. He was mentally ill and needed some help, which I think had it happened today, it would have been managed and he would have been able to go on for many, many more years making the brilliant music that, that he created in that very short space of time. I think there's a whole bunch of people creatively, you know, whose lives were tumultuous and difficult and all the rest of it, mm. who made incredible art, mm. who had clearly, like you could see, had mental health difficulties and yes. now they would get much better help. That's why I chose Jacko, because I think um, his incredible genius 
is probably tied in some ways to his brain being wired slightly differently. Yeah. And there are many people who create amazing things whose brains are wired slightly differently. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it needs some help and some understanding because our um, behaviors go outside of the norm. And by understanding it, we can we can pull it into something that remains productive mm. and healthy. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the unexpected, what we were listening to there is what he called the base of doom, I think, right? Mm -hmm. And he took, he moved from an upright bass to a bass guitar, took the frets off the guitar yeah. to get a sound that was unique to him. He came up at a time where the electric bass was finding new ground. And Jacko in a sense, kind of exploded in, in terms of jazz and his uh, use of R&B and soul and rock and roll um, to create this blend um, with this incredible virtuosity and musicality that t totally turned people's idea of how to use the electric bass on its head. And very few people have even come close to some of the innovations that he's charted. Mm. But there's still a huge amount to mine through the efforts of Jaco Pastorius's genius. So um, I think in, in politics, in life, somebody who can turn something like the electric bass into what Jaco did, and they could turn anything into, into something really, really beautiful. Well, Minister for the Unexpected, Jaco Pistorius. I mean, that's a pretty solid case for the man. And that was, uh, that version of punk jazz was from Weather Report's Mr. Gone. That's the one you asked for. Um, all right, your final choice now. This is uh, your Minister for Education, but there's a little more than just education that you want to tag on there. But let's hear a bit of this first. That was Herbie Hancock, uh, Parade, from his quartet album from 1982. So, Herbie Hancock as Minister for Education, but not just Education. Minister for Education, Discovery, and Inventions and Dimensions. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, that's what the Ministry for Education needs anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much what education is, right? Yes, Herbie Hancock is an expansive human being. He could almost be an alien. Um, he is super, super smart, super intelligent, but he makes it all seem effortless. But most of all, it is soulful what comes through him. This effortless soulfulness and this high level of thinking and execution. Mm. Um, innovation in so many ways as a pianist, he started out life musically as a child prodigy playing Mozart with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra at age 11. And he won a competition um, from his playing a different Mozart concerto. Then when it came to the performance, they said, oh, we can't find that music. Um, you're going to have to play a different concerto. He's like, okay. And he just learns it at 11 years old, plays it, kills it, He's, you know. And so he goes to college to study engineering, of all things, right? <laughs> so he's part of the generation where technology is going to start to take over. He says that, um, who was I kidding? Because soon his major turned into music. Mm -hmm. And um, so he finishes college at 20. He works in the post office in Chicago. He plays at night in the, in the local jazz club. 
and everyone's like, you know, he would come into work really tired. They're like, Hancock, man, you're going to have to give that thing up. You'll <laughs> never make it. You'll never make it out there as a musician. He goes, I'll show you people. And so he got a gig with Donald Byrd and he never went back to the post office job. Thank God for uh, for that. Yes, and exactly. For, you know, for us to to hear his music, but you know, he's the multi-dimensional human being. He innovates on the piano as one of the great young jazz musicians when he joins Miles Davis's band at the age of twenty-three. You know, it's not long before his compositional prowess starts to show itself in albums like Speak Like a Child and The Prisoner. Mm -hmm. um, he, his album of 1962 or 3 is called Inventions and Dimensions. So you see where I got that title from. Um, then he starts this band called Umwandishi and they do electronic music and uh, they deal with free elements of music and start to meld into the the soon coming funk revolution and uh, so by 1973 he's got together with these guys Harvey Mason, Paul Jackson, Bill Summers and Benny Maupin and makes an album called Headhunters and then that path of, of his musical development starts to take hold and he innovates in the area of jazz funk or he creates mm. jazz funk wanting to just play funk you know and then the album that w we heard from is um, a rec record that was recorded in 1981 in the summer in Japan and it had a 19 year old trumpet player on it called Winton Marsalis who's just celebrated his 60th birthday and he's got his trio of, of cats. So he's got Tony Williams on drums, Ron Carter on bass. And, you know, we hear that beautiful intro, but then it goes into some just sublime rhythm section band music mm. that is just out of this world. His solo is, is just sensational. That album comes out in 82. In 83, he releases Rocket and completely redefines uh, an area of music that we know now is hip hop. So he just keeps going. He just keeps reinventing and changing himself and the music. And he shows us that you have to educate yourself throughout your life, that mm. you have to always push your boundaries and you must never limit yourself because then you can push yourself into new dimensions. Herbie Hancock. Well... Imagine if I just said, nah, <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more, man. You know, when you listen to those, those early records, if you listen to Taking Off mm. up to Headhunters right. and just see the music evolution Absolutely. through that time, just like his own records, let alone I mean, the stuff that he played on. The music evolution just up to there is mind-blowing. He is an amazing creative maverick. Have you met him? I have many times, many times. And uh, yeah, he's just, he's a fantastic um, human being. But um, he's a problem solver. Not that music is a problem to solve, but the way he plays is, is like he's finding solutions, always finding solutions. Nothing ever goes wrong. Mm -hmm. Everything is a solution. And he goes from solution to solution idea to idea and it just uplifts and it just takes you further and take it's like opening doorways mm. into other dimensions truly through inventions
Minister for Education, Discovery and Inventions and Dimensions. There you go. Herbie Hancock over the line. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, I think I've got the measure of it roughly, but if you were president and you had to draw up your list of stuff to do, what would go at the top of the list? I would put aside immense amounts of money and support to build venues, um, educational music places, um, and touring for musicians mm-hmm. of all kinds. And I would create an infrastructure where there would be um, academies and concert venues um, mu- in multiple uh, venues in, in each town all the way across the world. That's a fantastic idea. I mean, you'd have had to furlough the hell out of some staff over the last year and a half. But yeah, I love the idea. I mean, it's like it's a very timely suggestion because everybody in in this world, in the world of performance, art, creativity is suffering and struggling. Absolutely. Well, Mr. President, it has been an absolute pleasure to listen to your, frankly, genuinely encyclopedic knowledge of of music and musicians, the dates, the names, the personnel on these records. Uh, Your brain is just a stunning thing to uh, bear witness to. I hope everybody's had a good evening. Wonderful. And, you know, you're really hard to snidely interrupt. Uh, my job is to slightly snidely interrupt you and say no to at least one of your choices, but I've I failed. You've won. You've won. You got everybody through. Jacob Pistorius, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shotter. Wayne Shotter. <laughs> Wayne Shotter. They're all through, man, everybody. That, sadly, is all the time we have. Uh, my thanks to this week's president, Julian Joseph, to my producer, Debbie Kilbride, executive producer, Alison Vernon-Smith, and, of course, to Pizza Express for hosting us here tonight. The Cabinet of Jazz is a Loftus Media production for Jazz FM, supported by the Audio Content Fund. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Julian Joseph. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you, Marcus. Bless your heart. Thank you so much. Thank you.